They've long been considered one of the deadliest forms of cancer. Gliomas are tumors that develop in the most sensitive and difficult to reach portions of the brain. But patient outcomes are improving thanks to ongoing advances in biomedical research and new minimally invasive techniques to locate and remove brain tumors with more precision. Here to explain more are Dr. Elizabeth Marr, Director of UT Southwestern's Translational Research Program in Neuro-Oncology, and Dr. Toral Patel, a neurosurgeon who leads our brain tumor program. Welcome to you both. Dr. Marr, as someone who studies the biology of brain tumors, what makes treating them so difficult? Right off the bat, the biggest issue here is that it's in the brain. So cancer and other organs, we, we really have access to those organs. Um, things can be removed, but in the brain, it offers a very unique situation. First of all, it's the seat of who we are. So, so that's, that's an immediate challenge is that you have to be extremely careful. The other part is that the brain is protected by what's called a blood-brain barrier. And so historically, it's been very difficult to get drugs into the brain. And then the last piece is that these tumors spread not outside the central nervous system, but within the brain. So that you may get control in an area where you can have some kind of a treatment, but the, the tumor cells inherently move to an area that is, that is inaccessible by surgery. So overall, it's a very unique and difficult organ to be, to be studying cancer in. Dr. Patel, many brain tumors are located near sensitive areas involving language and motor skills. How do you navigate that in the operating room? Many tumors are located in critical speech and motor and cognitive areas. And for many years, we didn't have tools for those tumors. And so they went unresected or biopsied alone. Modern advances in neurosurgery have allowed us to map those areas electrically, both before surgery and in the operating room during surgery and sometimes keeping the patient awake for those mapping procedures, you can really delineate the margin with tumor and normal brain in a finite manner such that the tumor can be removed while keeping the patient safe. Dr. Mara, what are the early signs of brain cancer? One of the problems in brain cancer is that it has a silent time of development, and that's because these cells get in and around these critical structures, but don't inhibit their function. About 50% at least of patients present to medical attention with a seizure. One of the earlier signs is that something that is abnormal, or the word I hear all the time is something weird, an abnormal smell, or what looks like a tick, or an abnormal feeling in an arm or leg, and that it, it has a clear onset of just out of the blue. It only lasts maybe seconds or maybe half a minute to a minute and it stops. But the key thing is that it happened again in exactly that same pattern. So it's something that's really worth seeking medical attention early. Dr. Patel, your team is leading much of the research into brain tumors at UT Southwestern. You've been involved in research into nanotechnology. Tell us what that is and how it's used to improve the care of brain cancer patients. Nanotechnology is a growing field uh, in medicine and other scientific disciplines where you take uh, existing therapeutics, and you make them very, very small, such that they can be stealthy and get into spaces that might otherwise be inaccessible. And so nanoparticles represent a way to package chemotherapies into tiny vesicles, vehicles, and either inject them intravenously or inject them directly into the brain to try to bypass the blood-brain barrier and get chemotherapies where they're needed. 
Dr. Mar, your lab works on strategies to attack brain cancer cells in different ways. Tell us about the progress you're making. It's a really exciting time in, in cancer therapeutics and cancer discovery. One of the most important pieces is to really understand the genes. So what are the abnormal genes that are involved in causing the cancer and importantly in driving tumor growth or spread? And then the other is being part of why the tumor cells are resistant or come back after treatment. The other really important um, advance is imaging. And so one of the things we really want to do is when we're following patients on treatment is to get a signal that the tumor cells are not coming back or that they seem to be coming back early. And so we're working with the Advanced Imaging Research Center here at UT Southwestern and really bringing to bear on this difficult problem what better ways of seeing it and following it. And from that, understanding the biology as well as the management and ultimately to be searching for cure. Dr. Patel, it seems as though we're hearing more about brain tumors these days. Is the incidence of brain tumors on the rise? Now, you know, when patients have even the most minor neurologic symptoms, they're often referred expeditiously for an MRI. And so we're picking up a lot more brain tumors, a lot more small brain tumors. We get CAT scans often when patients are in motor vehicle collisions. And those also find a significant subset of incidental brain tumors that we may not have noticed 30 years ago. They've looked extensively at the association of cell phones and radiation and things like this with, uh, with brain tumor incidence and, and growth. And it does not appear that there's a clear link between cell phone usage and the development of brain tumors. There is some data that suggests that exposure to radiation and exposure to dental x-rays, for example, may uh, increase your risk of, of brain tumor formation. And so certainly several organizations dental organizations in particular have made changes in their practice to reduce the radiation exposure to their patients. Dr. Patel, the field of neurosurgery has seen a number of technology advances in recent years. How is that affecting your practice in the operating room? The most important advance for all of neurosurgery in the last 50 years has been uh, the development of the operating microscope. You can see things in really precise and elegant detail, and because of that, you can operate safely. The use of mapping to critically delineate where functional speech and motor areas are makes surgery so much safer. And this didn't exist uh, certainly 50 years ago, and even 15 years ago was somewhat cumbersome to do. And mapping out this function allows you to do an operation and keep a patient safe. And then lastly, there's been a minimally invasive technology called laser interstitial thermal therapy, or LIT that's been developed in the last 10, 15 years. And that uses a, a very small laser to thermally ablate tumor tissue. And it's particularly useful for deep lesions that were previously deemed unresectable. And by coupling that technology with an intraoperative MRI, you can safely treat those tumors. And so that's been a big advance. Dr. Mar, you're a specialist in gliomas, which are about one out of every four brain tumors. Tell us what a glioma is and why they're so difficult to treat. A glioma is uh, a name for the primary cells that become the cancer cells. And so there's a, there's a support set of cells in the brain called glia, and they move not destroying the brain, but infiltrating the brain and into the spinal cord. Part of the biggest problem we face is, is trying to understand that mode of movement. And the second part is that after treatment and everybody celebrates, patients are doing very well 
There's no evidence of tumor left behind that we can see. And cells can sit literally dormant for up to years. And then out of the blue, unexpectedly, we'll start to grow again. And so we've got to be able to kill those dormant cells. So a major focus of our research together as a, as a large multidisciplinary group is to really focus on that. We can tackle the aggressiveness by really understanding what's the mechanism behind driving this invasive growth and the dormancy. And I think that that's you know, where progress is really being made. Dr. Patel, how are decisions made about who gets surgery, who gets chemotherapy, and who gets radiation therapy once a brain tumor is diagnosed? Once a week, our whole team of brain tumor experts on campus meets in tumor board, and we review patients, both patients that need treatment or patients that are somewhere in the midpoint of their treatment to reevaluate at every step. Is a single modality treatment the right step forward, or do we need to have a combination thereof? Having access to radiation oncologists and neuro-oncologists to think about each patient critically as a team is important, and I think a big part of our success here. Dr. Mara, what do you say to families of patients diagnosed with brain tumors? First thing I say is we're here, we have a large group, and we're here to help you across all aspects of this disease. And the second thing is that we're doing better than we've ever done before. We work to get people back to work. We work to get them to um, important milestones, graduations, birthdays, all the things that really make up what life is. And so for us, although there's an intense focus on treatment and, and research, there's also equally an intense focus on improving quality of life and helping everybody in the family to get to a point where this doesn't define who they are. Thank you both for joining us for this important conversation about the progress that's being made in diagnosing and treating brain tumors. Thank you so much, Dr. Warner. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been great. And thank you for highlighting this important disease for us. Until next episode, stay safe and stay healthy.